If you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Recently, I was reminded of something that I said a couple years ago. Have you ever been there? You know, somebody says, hey, you remember when you told me this? Nope. <laughs> but as I was talking to this individual and he was sharing with me the, the, the what I had communicated a few years ago, that as he was telling me, I thought, man, that sounds really good. You sure I said that? <clears throat> and, but then after I thought about it, I did, I did remember saying it. And, and it is something that I try to live by. And, and <clears throat> this was basically what the statement was. I never, I never, I'm going to read it so that I try to try to get it as close as I can or what I remember it to be. I, I never try to let my emotions get away from me. I try never to get very excited about anything. And I try never to get depressed about anything. <clears throat> I try always to keep my emotions in check. That keeps me from riding an emotional roller coaster. And I do that. I, I, I try never to get super excited about anything and I try never to get very depressed about anything. And you know, the, and the reality is it's a struggle because emotions are something that God has given us. But I believe that as much as we can control those emotions, the, <clears throat> the more balance we will have in our lives. <clears throat> Let me illustrate it to you this way. Uh, <clears throat> when shipbuilders build large ships, they do not just build ships and stick them in the water. Otherwise, they would bob around like corks. They, they, would, they would be totally useless. <clears throat> so large ships are equipped with multiple... Uh, balance, balancing systems uh, so that the pilot or the person, uh, the, the helmsman, uh, uh, can control the ship. And one of the oldest but probably most effective ways of controlling the, 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 uh, the pitch of a ship is what they call a ballast tanks. Ballast tanks on a ship. I have a picture here for you. Ballast tanks on a ship, and this is a very simplified uh, version of it, but basically you have a, a series of tanks and, and valves and, and so on and so forth, and water moves between these. So as a ship is going through the water, pitching and rolling, this the water within the tanks is shifting as well to to keep what they would the military well the navy would call an even keel try to try to keep the otherwise the ship is just going to bob around as the as the winds blow and the currents change and and waves and and there's so many different elements if you don't have a a a ballast system or a some sort of system in place then the, the ship is just going to be taught the bible says be tossed to and fro and that's what the bible talks about uh, and what the ballast system does is it, it, it allows the ship to control and have an even keel. 
Now, <clears throat> is that not how we hopefully should live our lives? Okay? Uh, should we not try to have live our lives on an even keel, if you would? That's one of the reasons why I try to keep my emotions in check. I'll be honest with you. Okay, this is this is just me, and I'm just being transparent this morning. That's one of the reasons I, why for many years I quit watching sports. Because if my team was doing really bad, I would get really mad. And then on the flip side, if my team was doing really good, I would get real excited. And, and I, I, I spent, I, this is when we lived in South Carolina, um, I used to follow the Atlanta Braves. And I either watched or listened to every game, the, 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 this, been, this is back another century ago, seems like. But anyway, that year they won the World Series. And I remember sitting up watching the World Series, the final game of the World Series. It's like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And they won the game. And I remember thinking, well, that was a waste of time. I turned the TV off, and I didn't watch baseball for probably another four or five years. Because I recognized something in me that I didn't like. And that is that if, remember Tom Glavin? Those old, old, old baseball people? Okay. How many of you remember Tom Glavin? Okay. Just, just be carnal and admit it. Okay. Tom Glavin was a left-handed pitcher, and that guy was incredible. But you know what? Everybody has a bad day. And I found myself that year getting angry at him if he wasn't throwing the way he was supposed to. I mean, I remember John Smoltz. Okay, remember that team, that Atlanta team? I mean, they were unbeatable that year. It was all because of their pitching. But, you know, and I found my emotions on this incredible roller coaster. And I, and I said, you know what? I am not going to live my life allowing a sports team to control how I feel. So that's why I, I just quit watching. Now, occasionally now, occasionally, I might turn on a game, watch for a few minutes, turn it on. I, I just, I, I just, I don't care anymore. Because I, I don't want an external something to control how I react. This morning, the title of my message is Living a Balanced Life. Living a Balanced Life. 2 Thessalonians, let's start reading in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to, to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because he hath uh, from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the uh uh, obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, 
whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved loved us and has given us uh, everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word, word and work. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would encourage us, you would strengthen us, and that you would help us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul was a man who <clears throat> I believe uh, you could we can make the argument very easily that Paul was a man who lived a balanced life. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 and 19 and following. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all men, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul, on many occasions, talks about the fact that he tried to be all things to all men. And, and you can't do that if you are unbalanced in your life. 2 Thessalonians, Paul here uh, emphasizes the importance of a balanced life, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. But how do we live a balanced life today? What is, what is the thing that God has given us that we, can, that we can use as a ballast tank, if you would? What is the thing that God gives us so that we can live a balanced life? His word, the truth of the word of God. Point number one this morning, believing the truth. Believing the truth. Look at verse 13 and 14 again. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath <clears throat> from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and believing of the truth. Whereunto he called you <clears throat> by our gospel to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the truth. It's through this book. It is this book that can act as a ballast system, if you, could, if you would, in our lives, so that we can live an, an, an even-keeled life so that we don't have to ride the emotional roller coasters that so often we do. 
Occasionally, I'll have somebody ask me, Pastor, how can I make someone believe the Bible? And, and the answer to that is, you, you can't. You can't. And the reason why is because believing truth is a personal choice that we, we all have to make. Now, we make that choice uh, for, for multiple reasons. And there, I want to give you four truths this morning. Four truths this morning. <clears throat> the first one is, He has given us salvation. We read it in verse 14. He's given us salvation. Truth number one is a beautiful, beautiful thing. John, John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Salvation. You can't make somebody believe truth. They have to accept it. They have to accept the gift of salvation. God's salvation to mankind is rooted and grounded in mercy and love. And they have to accept that. In Acts chapter 26, we'll read it here in a moment, but I want to kind of give you the backstory on it. The Apostle Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he's, he, he, he's, for lack of better terms, he is, he is trying to explain to the king why he's doing what he's doing, why he's traveling around preaching this quote-unquote gospel, why he's going around sharing the truth of the Word of God. Acts chapter 26, and this is this this uh, this verse, verse 18, kind of culminates, culminates. There, there you go, culminates the, the the whole the whole statement. But in verse 18, he says, "To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith." That is in me. Now let me let me kind of kind of walk you through this. So if you can leave this up for a minute, Chris, I'd I'd appreciate it. Let, let's kind of walk through a few of the phrases here because this is important. The opening statement says to open their eyes. That is in in the Greek language that is called an infinitive of purpose. Okay, so basically what it as Paul is talking to King King Agrippa. He, this, 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 this verse uh, uh, 18 is the purpose statement of the entire conversation. Y'all get that? Okay, so this, this, to open their eyes is an infinitive of purpose. So it is, it is communicating the purpose for Paul's life and ministry. And it is to open their eyes. <clears throat> it is the same Greek word that we see in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open, it's the same word, the door, <clears throat> I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So the idea here is when you, when you open a door 
for somebody to walk through, you don't open it slightly and make them squeeze through, do you? It's wide open so that people can then pass through. So let's go back to the <clears throat> to the uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. So the idea here is that the word open means to be completely open. So Paul's purpose for his ministry, for his life, is to help people open their eyes and see their condition. Other portions of Scripture, Paul says that unsaved people are blind. Now they can see physically, but spiritually their eyes are blinded. So it's clear here that Paul is not talking about their physical eyes, but their spiritual eyes. The next phrase, <clears throat> and to turn them from darkness to light. This is also an infinitive of purpose. So what Paul is saying here is the purpose for my life, for my ministry, is to get people to open their eyes, see their condition, and turn 180 degrees <clears throat> from darkness to light. One interesting thing, and, and this is one of the things <clears throat> about the Greek language where we don't necessarily <clears throat> see it in English. When you, have an, when you have two infinitives like this back to back, the, first, the, the second infinitive is dependent on the first infinitive. Does that make sense? So in other words, you can't turn from darkness to light until your eyes are open. Does that, does that make sense? Let me illustrate it to you this way. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know what, I need the Lord, I need to start going to church, or however you want to fill in the blank, but I, can't, I, I don't want to do it until I get my life straightened out. Do they ever get their life straightened out? No, they can't. Why? Because their eyes are still blinded. So this is a very accurate description of the way many people live their lives. To open their eyes, to see their condition, and then turn from darkness to light. <clears throat> the next statement uh, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sin. And this is an important word right here. What is this word? Inheritance. inheritance. An inheritance. See, when a person will open their eyes and will turn from darkness to light, we have an inheritance. Now, let me, let me kind of very simply put it this way. What inheritance? The obvious one is heaven, is it not? Is heaven. The, I mean, that's the obvious inheritance. But do we have an inheritance here on earth? Absolutely we do. 
God's blessing on our lives, all the prayers that he answers in our lives, all those are inheritances, if you would, from an almighty God. Truth number one, he gives us salvation. Truth number two, he changes us. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> but we were bound to give thanks unto uh, God for you, brethren, because the Lord, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you into salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. Sanctification is an interesting word. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Bible word that many people don't always understand, but the word sanctification literally means to be set apart. So when we are saved, God sets us apart. And the, the <clears throat> sanctification is a three-stage process. Very simply here, let me kind of share with you the three the three stages of sanctification. The first stage occurs when we become Christians. We ask Christ to come into our lives. It is the break from the old man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, when we become saved, when we get saved, we become new creatures. We make the break from the old man to the new man. The old things that I used to do, I don't want to do them anymore. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. <clears throat> Likewise reckon ye also yourselves unto the dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. We can be alive in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we've turned from darkness to light. The second stage of sanctification requires a life, a lifetime. As we grow, we gradually and steadily, be, hopefully, hopefully become more like Christ. Is that not the goal that we should have in our lives? To be more like Christ? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either uh, were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that from which also I ha am apprehended of Christ Jesus. It is a process of growth. And it is a growth that will take a lifetime. I've been saved a little over 40 years, and my goal tomorrow is to be a little closer to the Lord than I was today. And hopefully today I'm a little closer than I was yesterday. That is the, that is the, the, the process of sanctification. And then the third stage is the, <clears throat> is the future, the final stage. Some of you may know people who have accomplished the final stage of sanctification. 
And that's death. When a believer dies and goes to be in the presence of Christ. It's graduation. My pastor of 20 years would never have, he would never conduct funeral services. He would only conduct graduation services. I like, I like that. Because that's what it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6-8, through 8, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that once we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, as long as we're here on this earth, we're present with this, this thing we call a body. How many of you woke up this morning aching? <laughs> you know, it's just part of life. But you know what? Someday we're going to be absent from this body and we'll be present with the Lord. If you have opened your eyes to the truth, to the truth of the gospel. Truth number three. And this one is this one goes to what we were talking about at the beginning of the service. Truth number three, he calls us. He calls us. Look at verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to obtain to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord. Jesus Christ. The word called here is it, 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 it's an interesting word because it doesn't just it, I remember when our kids were young uh, God, God blessed me with the ability to whistle. Okay, I've, I've got this really loud sheer ear piercing whistle and when, they, when the kids were little and they were out playing in the neighborhood with the kids. All I had to do was step outside and let loose on a whistle, and they knew that Dad was calling them, right? <clears throat> okay, that's a that is what we would call a general calling, right? Okay. Yeah, every kid. So if 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 our kids didn't hear it, and another kid heard it, it was, hey, you better get home. <clears throat> so everybody knew. Everybody knew my whistle. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but this, this word here, called, uh, it is an interesting word because it, it is a call to a specific task. It's not a general call. It is a call to something very specific. In other words, <clears throat> God has something for you to do. Now let's put it in the context of of what we were the, the, this morning's verse, which I, I again I didn't I, I did not know that uh, Ashley was going to pick that verse for this morning, but it's it's perfect. Let's put it in context of this morning's verse. Can you put that up? Thank you. I, I I'm sorry I should have warned you. There it is. <clears throat> when I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moons and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man? Think about this for a second. God put the heavens, the stars, and everything into motion. And, and everything that you see, God is responsible for. 
You say, wait a minute, the chair that I'm sitting in, man made that. Well, you know what? God made the stuff that that is made out of. Okay? Everything you see, everything you touch, God has a finger in it. But yet, think about this. He knows you well enough to know that he's got a job just for you. He has called you to a specific job. There is something specific that he wants you to do. Now, don't come to me after the service and say, <clears throat> what is it? Yeah. <laughs> Number one, if I knew, you wouldn't do it anyway. <clears throat> no. <laughs> no. <clears throat> Seriously, if I knew, if for some reason God gave me the divine understanding to know, I still wouldn't tell you. Because, you know why? It's because it's more important he tell you than me. There you go. God has given us a checklist of sorts to understand what he wants us to do. Okay, you think, oh, wow, he's given me a list. He's given me, yeah, it's in, the, it's in the ballast tank of life. Okay, he's given us a checklist of things. And if you will do this checklist, you will have the answer to your question. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says this, He has shown the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. If we will live, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, we'll have the answer to the question, what does God want me to do? The idea of do justly. <clears throat> do justly. It is a, it kind of has a dual meaning here. Uh, the first one is to have the righteous presence before God. How can we have a righteous presence before God? The answer to that is through the blood of Christ. When we open our eyes, turn from darkness to light, and we are then saved by the blood of Christ, we can then stand righteous before an almighty God. Not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus Christ did. The second dual meaning here is that we are to be just in our dealings with men. As we go through life, we are to, to do justly amongst other people, saved and unsaved. Love mercy also has a dual meaning here. To love the mercy of God in our lives. When's the last time you sat down and thanked God for his mercy in your life? The, the truth is this, and I believe this with all my heart. And those of you that know me know I hate this phrase. I only want what I deserve. I, I, I hate that phrase. 
Do you know why I hate that phrase? Because if, if I got what I deserved, it would be a lifetime in eternity in hell. Because that's what I deserve. Because I have sinned against an almighty God. But because of the blood of Christ, that's called mercy. Getting what you don't deserve because of what Christ did for you. When's the last time you sat down and thanked God for his mercy in your life? The, the other side of the, this idea of mercy is to exhibit mercy in the lives of others. Is, is mercy part of your life where you show mercy in the, in the eyes of people and you, for, for lack of better terms, you give them the benefit of the doubt? How many of you have ever had somebody say something or do something to you and you, you instantly get mad and, and, and you're, 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 I don't know what the, your fangs come out, you know? You, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there you go. We've all been there. Is that not our natural reaction? But what happens when we say, you know what? That's mercy. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. You know what? I don't know. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that hurt you? That that uh, <clears throat> you you you've you've thought, man, that that was totally uncalled for. And then you find out later that they were having a really bad day, and you just happened to be the first person that they that that they, that, that they engaged with, and you you got dumped on. Mercy says, you know what, I'm, you, don't worry about it. I've been there too. I've done that myself. See, that's what mercy is. And we are to love mercy. This, the, the third thing that we are to do is to walk humbly with our God. Walk humbly. God hates pride. Jesus himself illustrates humility the, the example of humility in, in, in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 and following, it says, uh, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in, in themselves. Now, let, let's stop right there. Who were they trusting in? Themselves. They're not trusting in Christ. They are trusting in themselves that, that, um, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went into the, uh, in unto the... <clears throat> Excuse me. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one of the Pharisees, uh, uh, one, and I'm trying to read too fast. Excuse me. <clears throat> the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, and the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself: God, I thank thee that I am not as other me other men are, extorters, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing far off, would not lift up so much as his eyes in the heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. If you will do those three things, you will know what God has called you to do. Truth number four, we see in verse 14. <clears throat> he shares his glory with us. This is part of the inheritance that I was talking about earlier that we will see here on earth. But he sh- can wait, just stop and try and wrap your head around the fact that God will share his glory with you. That, that to me is an amazing thought. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word attaining here means to to, uh, uh, acquire or acquisition or to literally share in. John chapter 17 and verse 22, And the glory uh, which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, I I want you to look at this verse, and I want you to pay attention to something here that oftentimes we miss. And that is the the tense in which this statement is made. The word gavest would indicate what tense? Past tense. That means he's already given it to us. Think about that. The glory which thou hast given me, I have given, past tense, them. Again, pay attention to the tense here. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Past tense. He shares his glory with us. When a person puts their faith and trust in Christ, God will save them. He will change them. He will give them purpose and he will share his glory with them. Think about that. That's an incredible thing. And that's what our God has has given us. But... When we are neutral to the truth, when we are, are, are neutral to the things of God, dangerous things can happen. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And whether ye go, ye know, and where and the way ye go, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto the Lord, We know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ paid it all. And when Paul is talking in Acts chapter 28, the purpose of his life, which should be the purpose of our lives, by the way, is to help people open their eyes to their true condition. And when they see their true condition, to turn from darkness to light. And when they do that, God will save them. He will change them. He will give their lives purpose and He will share His glory with them. But it all starts when we live a balanced life. And we take this book and we use it as a ballast tank, if you would, in our lives. And we use this book to help balance our lives as we go through the turmoils of life. At the beginning, I told you that <clears throat> I try my best to control my emotions. I just, I, I, I just, that's just, it's just a habit that I've gotten into. I don't know if I'm any good at it. I, I try, I try. But the reality is this. Without this book as a part of my life, I can't do it. But the more that this book is a part of my life, the better the ballast system is in my life. The Word of God must be our ballast system. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us and to, that you would help us to be more like you. We are truly grateful for all that you do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you.